Hi, this is Ed Rakowski. I'm here to congratulate my friend Jesse on six years of set listening Bruce. Yeah, like anyone who's been privileged to be on his podcast, we all consider Jesse a friend. Now, I often think about what Springsteen fans have in common with one another. It seems to me that we all respect his great talent and love of music, of course, but also Bruce's honesty, his loyalty to his fans, his friends, his hard work ethic, his obvious decency and concern for people in the world, but also his ability to open up and share with eloquence some stories about his own challenges, fears, and struggles. In short, Bruce is the real deal. And in much the same way, so is Jesse. I think these qualities are what draw us to Jesse in much the same way we are drawn to Bruce. I always started Jesse some four years ago or so, but in that short time, I've been impressed by how his podcast has continued to grow and attract great visitors to tell amazing stories. Now, Jesse has inspired us during this past year, especially challenging year with the pandemic. But, you know, he's also been bravely telling his own story about how he's battling and now winning his encounter with cancer. Uh, Jesse, you're the real deal. Now, I'm looking forward to where you'll take us with your great podcast for years to come. All the best. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and this is a repeat performance. Um, last year, uh, during the fifth anniversary of Set Lusting Bruce, I had a all-star cast of guests join me, and we picked our top five fifth tracks of Bruce Springsteen's studio albums. At the end of that, I told everyone we had so much fun, we should do it again for the sixth anniversary. And believe it or not, September this month is the sixth anniversary of Set Listing Bruce. So I have returned my cast plus a newbie to uh, join us. So we're going to start out with uh, Ian. Introduce yourself and tell us where you're from. Hi, everybody. Great to be back, Jesse. Thank you for inviting me. Is it really a year? Hard to believe. My name's Ian Braceby. I've been a guest with Jesse a couple of times. Uh, I'm in the UK in the city of Birmingham. All right. And then going across the globe, Chris. Hi, I'm Chris from just outside Durban in South Africa. Um, like Ian, I've also been on Jesse's podcast several times before i don't think for a while i think the last time was when we did the fifth tracks oh, last it, year has it been a year like i yeah, gotta get so, you so on it's been a break okay. anyways it's, it's great to be back and great to see you jesse looking fit and well i must say thank you sir that's very kind uh our newbie uh mark introduce yourself hey good morning my name is mark hornack uh i live in Cary, illinois which is a little ways outside of Chicago. I guess this is my third time on the show. And uh, I listened to the episode you guys did last year. And I was jealous of some of those choices you guys got to pick from and enjoyed listening so much. I actually asked Jesse if I could be involved. Uh, I think I did a, a regular episode and a, a songs of your life. And I think, I think some of those are going to show up on this episode as well. So I'm looking forward to hearing from everybody. Well, we are so glad you're able to join us. And then one of my favorite guests, multiple star Bella Pori. How are you doing, Bella? I'm doing great, Jesse. It's so good to see you. Um, I'm Bella. I've been very lucky to be a guest on Jesse's podcast several times, each one a highlight of my week, of my month. Uh, I'm currently in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm very excited for today's episode. Yeah. So I, I we were talking before we hit recorded. It's amazing 
I mean, we are literally across the globe. I know I talked about that last year, but it is just, it is amazing that we have the blessing of technology that we're able to do this. Um, so what we did is we took a list of all of Bruce's studio albums. We did not include um, box sets. We did not lose live albums. We did just his studio albums. And uh, we had the sixth track on each album. And then we're going to pick our top five. So uh, let me start with you, Chris. How hard was this, you know, thoughts? Were, was there a lot of debate or did you almost know immediately what you wanted? Um, the top three I was pretty sure of, but then four and five was very difficult because um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tracks which uh, are, not, are not his greatest, but they're good. There's some very good tracks there. And then, and then there's some of them which are popular tracks, like sort of, you know, staples of, the, of a live concert. And I was thinking, am I choosing these because they appear in literally every live concert or they're crowd favorites? Or do I actually like these songs myself? Um, or is some more, or do I prefer these rarer songs, which you know aren't as universally popular? So I actually made a Excel sheet, and I was sort of juggling it up and down for the last three days at work. Um, my my boss isn't listening to this. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but eventually, I uh, I think I've you know. I'm still not a hundred percent certain, but I'm, I'm pretty happy with my list. Bella, I saw you nodding your head. Do you want to join in just for a minute? Yeah. I was just looking at my list as Chris was talking and I was like, Oh, I don't know. Do I, do I want to change some of these? Like, I'm not really sure, but I agree. The top three fell into place almost immediately. And it was just very hard to get those last two because there were so many good options. Although I will say, looking at this, I was like, oh, some of my least favorite songs on certain albums are on this list as well. I do feel like the fifth track seemed to be a little stronger than the sixth track. I don't, I see a couple of nodding heads. Uh, Mark, how about you? What were your, your process? Well, you're right about what you just said, because you had, what, uh, Born to Run last year. I think you guys had uh, Racing in the Street and Incident. You've got three pretty big classics there. And I think this list is better than you guys are giving it credit for. But I would tell you my one was easy. Uh, my top four were pretty easy. I've got six songs. Uh, they're in my five spot. So whatever you guys pick, I'm prepared to talk about it. Because I, I picked one, but uh, there's a lot of crossing out here at the end. Well, and I think that's the beauty of having multiple guests is because you end up getting to talk about a lot of other songs and ian how about you yeah i think uh, also when i started going through i thought oh these are there's some slim pickings compared to the track fives but then i got a bit deeper into it and i thought you know actually there are some really good songs here ones that i might not necessarily have immediately thought of and then and then you go back and you, you think about it some more i think i also got my top two or three pretty quickly and then and at the same time there were some that were 
very quickly just you know out of the discussion completely and then but then you had I had quite a lot of songs that could easily have made it into those fourth and fifth positions so it ended up being quite a tough choice at the end of the day and as others have said I could easily swap in one or two others that I didn't put on my final list uh, I ended up going for quite a I guess quite a personal list um, I concentrated a lot on what songs and particularly lyrics spoke to me rather than as Chris said which are the, the big crowd pleasing tunes yeah that sounds good and I had the similar problem there are three or four that did not make my list that I kind of go how did that not make my list uh, but I, I'm pretty happy what we're going <laughs> so um, we're gonna let the newbie start out number five Mark uh, what's your first choice so I didn't want to go five. I, or I rather I didn't want to go first because I was interested to see what everybody else picked. Well, but, you know what? Then no, no, I take... I'm no okay. I'm up for it. I'm up okay. for it. Because like I said, I've got so many choices here. Um, I went with Maria's Bed from Devils and Dust. Um, this is a great song. It's it's strange to me. Uh, it's the probably the one of the most listenable and upbeat songs on the album. It's strange to me how little Bruce has played this song over the years. It got, you know, it was regular on the Devils and Dust show. And the way he was performing it early on in that tour, uh, he was kind of rocking out a little bit. And it was the time that he moved around the stage the most on those Devils and Dust shows. And you just kind of assumed that someday this was going to become a really common song. And I think I think it got played a couple times uh, with the Seeger band, but I don't believe it's ever had an E Street band outing. And I hope it doesn't get lost in the shuffle permanently because it's too good to be true. Um, lyrically, it's, I don't think it's exactly what it appears to be. Like a lot of great Bruce songs, it could actually be, go a couple different directions. And I think if you look at it just straight ahead, it's a, it's a guy and a girl song. And there is, uh, he's trying to get home and trying to find the place that he's safe. And that, that's, that's a true feature of um, a lot of Springsteen songs. If you look at it lyrically though, the other thing is it's not obviously just a guy and a girl song. If you really analyze those lyrics, uh, this could be simply just about coming home. And the whole idea of a bed in this case could just as easily be a riverbed or a place where that river ends near where you go. And you could spin almost every single lyric in there to either be about meeting that someone or finding that someone again, or simply just getting to the place where you're comfortable and home uh, and feel good. And I think once people see that other side of it, it's almost impossible to unsee it. So great song. Uh, I wish he played it more. I think it begs for, you know, kind of a, a rock band treatment, but lyrically, it's also one of the smartest things he's ever done. And I love it. I now want to go pause, go play it, and listen to the lyrics. I appreciate that. Bella, what's your number five? Uh, so it was very hard to pick a number five because there are a lot of songs on this list that, you know, I like. They're not my favorite Bruce songs, but I like them well enough. I ultimately went with I'm on Fire, okay. um, which is a, a complicated song for me because it does fall into one of my least favorite things that Bruce does, which is the use of the phrase little girl. I think it makes all of his songs a hundred percent creepier when he uses it, but I will make an exception for I'm on fire because I really like this song. And lately, I don't know if any of you saw, there was a review in Pitchfork of born in the USA, like a review of 
you know, a, a new person reviewing the album. And it got me thinking about how I think Born in the USA is really like two different albums. You have the, you know, Springsteen, Rockabilly, America, heritage part of Born in the USA. And then I think you have the like secret disco Born in the USA album. And I think I'm on fire fits into that category. Um, and those are my favorite tracks on Born in the USA are all the disco influenced ones. So I ended up going with I'm on fire because I think it's a very intriguing and sexy love song. You know, I, I've said in the past that there is a 50% chance if you throw a dollar into the tip jar of a singer, like someone playing at a bar and go, can you do a Bruce Springsteen song? 50% of the chance they're going to do I'm on fire. It just feels like that's a, a basic song. Almost everyone knows it. Um, it is um, a great choice. And, and, I, and I do agree. I do. Every time I hear that, hey, little girl, is your daddy home? Like, OK, yeah, she, she's 27. You know, let's, let's, you know, let's with that. Chris, how about you? My number five is Erie Canal. Um, it's my favorite. I, I don't know if it's my favorite song on the Seeger sessions, uh, but on the, the live in Dublin, I think it's just an amazing performance, especially when you when you watch the video. It's just the whole band. You can just see they're just having so much fun, and the crowd are joining in. It's just a great sort of great party song, and it and it was probably the song that got me to listen to live in Dublin and the Seeger sessions more. So yeah, that, that's my, that's my number five. Yeah. I, I was not a big fan of the Seeger sessions till I heard the, hear the live band of it. And then I go, damn, I should have gone to that show. I mean, damn, I should have gone to that show. That was so good. Uh, very nice. And yes, uh, pulling the curtain back, I had forgotten the Seeger sessions when I put out a list and, uh, Chris was like, uh, hey, Jesse. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll include, include that. All right, Ian, how about you? Okay, well, my number five is This Depression from Wrecking Ball. Ah. Which uh, is, as I said, I, I really ended up going for songs that I, I thought had quite a, a personal connection. And uh, Bruce's struggles with depression, I think, are something that have been quite documented now through his autobiography and his um, his Broadway show and his interviews. Uh, and I think that this is a, a such an understated song. Um, the first time I heard it, I thought, oh, this is a little bit plodding in the pace. Uh, and then you listen a little bit more to it. And I think what he captures really well is just a feeling of powerlessness and almost like I've had bad times but it's never been as bad as this. And this is the moment when I'm reaching out for somebody's help, um, which is kind of what he's, what I feel he's saying in the lyrics. You know, I, I tried to get this far and I've done okay, but at the moment it's never been like this before. And this is where I need some, some support. This is why I need some backup. And um, so that, that really speaks to me, um, to me quite a lot, um, having been in, in those situations and, the thing I love about it as well is the guitar solo, which Very I think is kind of in two parts. And it, it's just, I think it's just, again, quite understated, but I, but I think it's beautiful. And uh, so it's a song that really works for me on a personal level. 
Very nice. Uh, my number five is Bria's Bed for a lot of the reasons uh, that Mark shared. I, I loved, it was my second Bruce Springsteen show ever, The Devils and Dust. Um, I've told the story that I had the, like a back, the very last Roche um, ticket and a guy came in, you know, the man in black and was able to get, I was able to get in top front five rows and uh, it's the closest I've ever seen Bruce and it did truly feel like he was sitting in our living room just telling stories or as another guy said he said if Bruce ever was a college professor that this would be what his lectures would be you know like this devils and dust tour so I love Maria's bed and I do like that sense of joy in it I've always just listened as you know this guy's been on the road he's been working and now then he is you know back in your arms kind of the same feeling as that Uh, I now want to go here and think of this as maybe a place instead of a person Um, all right any comments we've all given our first five any thoughts people want to share on those before we move to number four Ian, you make me want to re-listen to this depression because, you know, when I said that some of the songs on the list are my least favorite songs on the album, this depression is one of them. I don't really, I don't like that song very much, but you're making me want to re-listen to it with that in mind and accept the plotting as like a musical device he's using to convey this emotion. I'm right there with you, Bella, because that is not one of my songs either. And um, I do want to hear it with that fresh list, those fresh ears. Yeah, that's really well done. Also, also I think on um, Wrecking Ball, the first five tracks are quite upbeat, um, quite yeah, full of energy. And then it, it sort of slows down for this depression. And then it sort of picks up again for Wrecking Ball. So it's sort of, you, you almost sort of miss it. It, it's 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 sort of almost like a pause in the in the rock and roll, yeah. um, for lack of a better term. And yeah, and I do like it. And it just sort of yeah, maybe I'd have put it higher, but I, it sort of went under the radar, I guess. <clears throat> no, I think that's a really good point, Chris. Mark, you were saying. I, was, I, I, I agree with all of that. I wanted to touch base as well on uh, Bella picked I'm on fire. And I've heard other people say some of the creepy aspect of that. And I, I, mean, I think we all agree that's not what was intended. And I think you sometimes look at uh, a music video being a separate piece of art. And that while it's not necessarily always made exactly with the intention of the song. Well, I think it probably was in this case, Bruce appears in the video uh, he, he probably, it's probably the first time he has a little bit of an acting role, but clearly we're talking about a woman much older, a wealthy woman uh, that is in an unhappy marriage. And the words don't necessarily tell us that, but in this one case, if we're looking for any sort of, you know, confrontation or anything, controversy rather, uh, the video, I think, provides a little more context and takes away some of that. Well- I didn't want to totally fangirl, but I love the video too. (laughs) The rumor is it was Sybil Shepherd's legs. I don't know if that's a true statement, but I was, I read that somewhere and uh, you know, because you never really see, you know, she's a vision in his mind. It is a really good video. It's definitely, Jesse, I've read the same thing. I think that 
probably is a rumor because I think it would have been such a waste not to put her face on camera at the time. Yeah. She was a big star then. Yes. And it's certainly not her voice. In yeah. The video. yeah, exactly. So but I've, heard, yeah. I've heard that and let's hope, let's hope it's true. Exactly. That's, we're going to go with that. That's good. Any other thoughts before we move to number yeah, four? Um, yeah, I, I uh, chose um, I'm on fire um, a little bit higher up the list. So um, we'll come to that back. Okay. But uh, I think the same way I want, I'd like to go back and have another listen to Maria's Bed, especially thinking about what, what Mark said. I, I quite like the song, um, but I don't like the vocal performance on the, on the album very much. Okay. Um, uh, I think there's this kind of, it's not a, not a falsetto, but it, it's kind of edging in that direction a little bit at certain times. And, and I, I, don't, it's, I don't really like that um, style of vocal when Bruce does that so much. So, but I think lyrically and structurally, it's a, it's a good song. And uh, I think it's one that, because it's on Devils and Dust, I don't really listen to it as much because it's not really an album that I, yeah. I throw on all that often. I do want to hear an E Street Band version now. I think that would be interesting to hear that. I think that's great. Kind of like Atlantic City, right? Became, I won't call it an E Street Band staple, but it is something they've done enough that now then you you feel like it, it's an E Street Band song, even though, you know, it was off Nebraska. All right. Um, Chris, number four. Number four is This Life from... Um, working on a dream it's one of my favorite songs on on that album probably more for the tune than for the the lyrics but the lyrics are, are pretty good but it's a good love song I suppose nothing particularly complicated about it um, but it's just yeah just just when I'm, whenever there's one of those songs whenever it comes on I turn it up um yeah oh, so yeah like no said, that's a great choice it's, yeah it's, 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 not, it's, it's not a <clears throat> it's not a it's not a sort of real i guess deep meaning to it but just the feeling you get and the feeling it conveys of i guess being in love for the first time or for the with someone for the first time um it's how is how i interpret it yeah, and I think that's really good. You picked one from Work on a Dream because I often think that it gets overshadowed because magic was so strong and this came up so quickly afterwards. So, uh, yeah, um, excellent choice. Bella, number four. I went with uh, Drive Fast off of Western Stars, which has quickly become one of my favorite Bruce albums. And I don't know if it's because you know, it's just, uh, it is one of his best albums or if it's just like hitting me with the themes and the sound that I need right now in my life. Um, but it, it reminds me of home. I really love everything he's doing on that album, but I particularly love the drive fast, which, you know, I, I just call the stunt man. Cause I think that's a much clearer. Yeah. I know that's the parentheses title, but I like that title better. Um, it kind of reminds me of what Ian was saying about this depression. I feel like he's saying something in the stuntman about nihilism and about, you know, struggling to live in this world and what you do to make it day to day in this world that I have found very relatable these past 18 months. Um, the kind of desperation that he's singing about in the stuntman just really speaks to me and has just become more relevant, uh, you know, as we're in this 
seemingly never ending pandemic. Yeah, great choice. I, I really, really like that. I'm I'm a big Western Stars fan. Didn't make my list, but it was on the honorable mention. So, Ian, how about you? Number four. Uh, my number four is She's the One from Born to Run, of course. Uh, I think you're going to have to get used to the fact that if um, if we carry on doing this each year, we're going to get I'm going to get the Born to Run choice every year. Because <laughs> I just think it's such a, an amazing, incredible album. Um, she's the one, probably not one of the most anthemic tracks, you know, but it's up against some stiff competition on that album. Uh, I've always liked it. Um, I always thought it was a bit different to the other kind of stuff that Bruce was doing, uh, especially when I was a teenager and first got into that music. It was uh, really quite different. Um, I, I just think it's quite an exciting song in terms of the way it starts out quite gentle and then it sort of explodes. And, and I really love that. And um, again, I love the guitar work, particularly in the middle eight when he's seen the Just One Kiss section. The, the guitar work that's on there is, is absolutely phenomenal. And um, also um, over the years, the lyric in the first verse uh, with her long hair falling and her eyes that shine like a midnight sun, uh, she's the one um, is something that just always makes me think of my wife, Sally Jane. So uh, that is, uh, again, a personal uh, thing that I take from the lyrics. So, yeah, it's just just a song I always enjoy. And a great song live because he'll oh. often throw in a little Buddy Holly. He'll do there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, Mark, how about you? All right. I think my next pick is probably going to be on a lot of people's lists, but uh, I went with uh, Rosalita. And, uh, you know, this, this probably feels low, probably in, in the Springsteen world to have it this, but the other songs I have, I think, are so good uh, at the same time. I look at Rosalita as kind of the middle ground between the guy that was on Greetings, because all of that wordiness is still here. And then the guy that really found his voice when Ian talked about, you know, Born to Run. And that's, that's when this guy really figured out who he was, how he sang, how he wrote songs. There's a little bit of both of that, both the before and the after in Rosalita. Uh, clearly, it became kind of, you know, a live staple. And probably in those early shows that I don't think any of us saw, uh, one of the most important parts of the night. It closed the show for years and years and years. Lyrically, because it is so wordy and, you know, maybe even messy, I think some people, you know, give it, you know, maybe not the serious look they should. But if you go deep towards the end of the song, he says, I'm coming to liberate you, confiscate you. I want to be your man. Someday we'll look back on this and it will all seem funny. And I know a lot of people throw that line around. But really, if you that's the same conversation that's being had in Thunder Road, you know, on the next record. He's saying it a little different and maybe a little more fun and maybe even a little less serious, but that's the same wording that we get in Thunder Road. Uh, I think the song just has to be here. The other thing that I most recently noticed about Rosalita was I was lucky enough to go back to uh, Broadway a couple weeks ago and uh, there's simply, again, what I always kind of considered a throwaway line, but he says, Papa's on the corner waiting for the bus. Mama, she's home in the window waiting up for us. I, I never saw that really until the Broadway show, but there's his dad out in the corner, ready to hit the town, get away from all of them. And there's his mom home waiting to help, 
to be something for them, to be close to them. I have no idea how intentional that was, you know, all those years ago, but I see it today. And I, I think I probably only see it because of the way he talked about his dad at the Broadway show. Um, gosh, yeah, great choice. And I, I really, that's an interesting thought about that. Um, I'll, Rosalita makes it a little bit higher on my list. Um, so I did, my fourth was Hungry Heart. Um, it is, you know, I, I, it was really the first song of Bruce's that reached my consciousness after uh, Linda's friend Lisa had talked about this. She was going to school on the East Coast and she came back and talking about the singer named Bruce Springsteen and then the radio. And so um, I, I um, it, it's it's a favorite song. I love when they do it live. I, I love how, you know, they start the tradition of him forgetting the lyrics and everyone singing the first verse. Uh, you know, he'll crowd surf often. And, um, and I often when I'm in a bad place, like when I'm visiting my family and, um, and they've, as much as you love your family, often they can get up to here. And for those of you who are listening, I'm putting my head up to my eyebrow, my eyes, you know, where I, you know, uh, I, I often quote that first line and kind of like, you know, I get in the car and I'll never come back. Uh, so that's how, why it made for me. So, um, I love all of y'all's choices. Uh, before we go to three, anyone want to comment? Uh, once again, I, I'm going to do this each time kind of thoughts on other people's choices or songs. Chris, you've now picked two of mine that were in my runner-ups that I really thought about putting in the four or the five slots. Um, yeah, also Rosalita was didn't quite make my top five. It was one of the um, ones that got up. It sort of it came in and went out, came in and went out, but eventually um, maybe you know, it used to be I think it's probably just because I've heard it so much um, compared to some of the songs that I've, I've, I've picked. It was one of the first early songs that I liked when I, when I got um, live 1975 to 85, which I bought before I, I uh, bought the wild innocent. Um, and I thought, well, you know, this, this is a fantastic song. And it still is, you know, it still is, but it, I guess it maybe just doesn't, I just don't get the same meaning from it that I do from the other songs. And Jesse, I used to hate the song Hungry Heart, like when I was just listening to it and then I saw him for the first time and I saw him do Hungry Heart and I was like, oh, this is a great song. I love this song. Isn't that funny that you could do that? That's that's a great story. I've got two things about Hungry yeah. Heart. Um, Firstly, one of my closest friends, who's a big Bruce fan, who's one of the people I always go to to see Bruce with, um, he's a really big, he's quite a big rock guy, heavy metal kind of rock. And so, and he told me that Hungry Heart, he heard it in a pub when it first came out and he loved it. And that's what got him into Bruce. And I just find it really strange that this guy who's really into the rock music, it was one of Bruce's most poppy songs that actually got, got him, got his attention. Uh, the other thing about it is that I used to have a CD player that seemed to hate Hungry Heart. Now I had 
as a Bruce fan like all of us, I had I don't know how many different CDs that had Hungry Heart as one of the tracks. But no matter which one I put in this CD player, it would always start developing faults and skipping and jumping around when it got to Hungry Heart on wow, lots of different cool. CDs. And I don't know why. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's everything. Good. Anything else before we move on? All right. Uh, I'll start us off at number three, Rosalita. Um, you know, it is a great song live. Uh, it is, there is a sense of joy when the band plays it. Um, I, um, you know, when I had to do songs of her life, I picked 10th Avenue Freeze out because when he does it live, especially like the live in New York where he introduces the band and, you know, like it, it's a 20 minute song and like you like hearing 10th Avenue Freeze out could be a concert in itself. But Rosalita has that same energy and feeling when the band does it live. And so I, I picked it number three. Um, just because of that joy that the songs kind of gives. Uh, so, yeah. Ian, what's your three? Uh, my three is I'm on fire. Oh. Um, which um, I agree with, um, with quite a few of the, of the things that were said about it already um, in terms of it uh, being just a, a, quite an understated, but a, a little bit, um, introspective and, and that different kind of sound to some of the stuff on board in the USA. Uh, I also love the video, as we've said. Um, but I think one of the things I like about it is, um, I think it's, um, I think the video is, works with it, but also I don't listen to the song the way it's portrayed in the video. Yeah, I think it's a fantasy. I think this guy's talking to himself. I don't think he's addressing this to a person who's actually ever gonna hear what he's saying. I think he's, he's in his head, and I think that's why it's all about, to me, this song is all about getting stuck in your head. And that line about um, you wake up with a sheet soaking wet freight train moon to the middle of your head. You know, lots of people say it's one of the best rock and roll songs ever written about sexual frustration, um, whatever it might be. But, um, you know, it's for me, that's more about you're stuck and you just cannot shift what's whatever it is that's going on in your mind, whether that's desire or whether that's just stuff in your life and, I, and for me that that sort of two-sidedness of it is what I really like great insight and that is a wonderful lyric and um I know that not to take it from a sexual to move it from a sexual thing during last year with the first two or three months of the pandemic when we were all locked in I, I woke up, you know, frustrated and you're because, you know, you have these four walls. Um, actually, you could combine this depression along with that, you know, where that because we were all just feeling that closed in. Um, great choice. Uh, Mark, how about you? Sure. Um, just as Ian had done before, I put uh, in this slot, she's the one. And I, I would assume it's going to show up on a handful of lists here, but one of the things he said specifically about the long hair fallen, her eyes shine like the midnight sun. I'll, I'll say a couple of things about that because that it, it's it's easy to see why that line catches you, Ian. Uh, first and foremost, the the phrasing of it, the way he says it, and it's it's also true. You know, basically any of those lines that fall right before, oh, she's the one, she's the one. 
he has a vocal phrasing there that's a little bit different and is very unique to this song. The other thing is just the words, Midnight Sun. I don't know that I've heard that in any other rock and roll song. And I had to think about what that meant. And I Googled it just to make sure I was even right. But that is a wonderfully descriptive use of unusual beauty. Uh, a Midnight Sun, if you don't know, is the idea that at each of the Arctic uh, poles, you know, there will be time during the calendar year where the sun will actually be up at midnight or in the middle of the night. I've never heard anybody else in music describe a woman exactly this way. This, this, is, this just proves how smart he was even at that age and how descriptive and poetic he was able to do. Just in one or two lines, we're, we're spending sentences talking about it. It's, it's too good to be true. So you've got that, that, that vocal um, specialness, you've got that lyrical beauty, and then you put it over something so simple like that, that Bo Diddley beat that the only thing that's wrong with She's the One, and I think, I can't remember who said it before, is that it's on Born to Run. It, it gets caught up um, and kind of gets left off or underrated because it's surrounded by some of those other songs. She's the One is amazing. And then the last thing I'll say, of all of the, I think Jesse, you talked about it live in particular, it's still one of the most physical songs that Bruce does on stage. Uh, a lot of people complain that some of the classics are played a little slower in the reunion era, or they're all older and they maybe don't move around the stage as much. Uh, I would tell you, if you plug in, you know, the easiest place to probably find it is that Barcelona video. Clarence is all over the stage. Clarence didn't move a lot in the reunion era like he did maybe previous. Bruce is moving around and jumping and strutting. She's the one is may, might be the song in the reunion era of the classics that they perform as good as anything else. And I mean, I could talk about it forever, but I love She's the One. Oh, yeah. Good insights. Very nice. Uh, Bella. Just before I go, um, I used, when I was in high school, I had a friend that we would like send poems back and forth to each other because we had met at some like writing camp. And I put Midnight Sun in one of my poems because I like listened to a lot of Bruce Springsteen and I didn't know what it meant. And I remember him responding to me like, is this like set in Antarctica? Why are you using that? And I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway. It sounds awesome. It, Cause it sounded awesome. Exactly. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I like loved the sound of it. And I was like, okay, like if Bruce uses it, it must be cool. And then he was like, Antarctica. Okay. And I was like, Oh, uh, alrighty then. Um, but my number three is the promised land. Um, I, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite songs on darkness on the edge of town, which is saying a lot because you know, that album is nearly perfect end to end. Um, but I love the triumphant nature of it. I think it, I think it really elevates the album in that, you know, it's this album with so much like loss and heartache and pain. And then you have this song and that's what makes the album not like this, you know, emo sad thing that we all forget, but this like excellent celebration and meditation on life. Um, it's also a, an amazing song to hear live. Uh, and it, you know, pumps me up every time I hear it. So Promise Land is my number three. Oh, great choice. Great choice. Did not make my list, but I was frustrated it didn't. All right, Chris, finish this out. Um, I'm with Bella here. I'm also the Promised Land. It's one of, yeah, it's a song that describes, I think, they're just a basic 
frustration sometimes of living day to day and of believing there's something better. You just keep keep on working and over the horizon there's there's a better life. Um it was some, it's like one of those songs, you know, if I'm if, if I'm in a downbeat mood or if things aren't going well, that's one of those songs which will sort of pick me up. Also I've for not all the lyrics sort of fit the possibility. But I was also wondering if it if it was like a song written from the point of a, a black person. But when it's when it when it's referenced to the promised land, obviously, you know, with Martin Luther King's famous speeches and also a Mr. I ain't a boy, I'm a man. Um but then things like the Utah Desert that's probably there's probably not the highest density of African Americans living there, so that that doesn't fit. But maybe, yeah, maybe that was part of the part of his inspiration. I, I, I don't know. You know, it was interesting um, for Father's Day. Um, we, Chris and Linda, watched Bruce on Broadway with me because they had Chris had never seen it. And Linda had, she had reached the point where he was talking about his dad and like almost the next lyric, you know, the next statement is, okay, I'm going to get you off suicide watch. We're going to you go. But before he had said that, my Linda went, okay, I can't watch this anymore. This is too depressing. <laughs> so, um, and they both really liked Promised Land. And Linda was asking, you know, what's this about? What, you know, and the idea of, knowing there's a better place out there um did not make my list as i said i'm really i'm looking at my list and going okay well which one should i drop off which is uh i guess we could have done six for six then six tracks so uh all right before we go to number two any thoughts anyone want to share ian you reminded me of something i didn't say about i'm on fire that i think also plays into the stuntman, which is that I think Bruce writes so well about like repression and frustration. Uh, there's no one better than capturing that feeling of being stuck and having something you want to say that you can't say and how that eats you up inside. Um, my favorite line in I'm on fire is the, sometimes it's like someone took a knife, baby edgy and dull and cut a six inch valley through the middle of my skull. I think that is perfect. The perfect explanation for how like suppression and repressing your feelings comes back to haunt you yeah you're right great line good i love chris's um insight into the the black outlook on on the promised land which i'd never thought of but i know it's um i know from having been in in southern africa uh, that a lot of people would have referred to the the domestic staff the black domestic staff as boy even when they were a grown adult and it, you know i don't know whether that you know that comes into it and it's it's kind of a really interesting perspective that someone would want to to rail against that in some way i, I think that's a fantastic no, what, 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 yeah well here you know um that's you know it's a very a very offensive word to use um you know, in, in, in that regard. So that, that, that also, I don't know whether it's the same in America. 
Oh, it is very much. Um, (laughs) It is. And, um, you know, growing up, um, I'm a 62 year old white guy that grew up in the South, right? That uh, there, there are phrases I use that I do not use anymore that when I originally used them, I, I did not mean anything at all. You know, um, you know, there's boys and girls, right? And so there's the girl group, there's the boy group, you know, and like, no, 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 you can't say that. And I, and I acknowledge that and understand that, you know, my intent may be not wrong, but that still can hurt someone. Right. So yeah, yeah, I've never thought of that thought, you know, I truly have always took it from a maturity level, right? Like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not a boy. I'm a man. I'm ready to make my own decisions. I'm ready to move forward and try to search for my promised land. But that's a unique perspective to think about it in, in the, the, especially the terms of Black Lives Matter and all that were going on. Um, you know, and once again, you wonder, I think that's the beauty of all great songs is the different depths and different meanings we can get. Very cool. Other thoughts, guys? One, one other thing I'll add. I, uh, I won't talk about Promised Land because I might have a lot of thoughts about Promised Land still coming up. Okay. But uh, back to I'm on Fire just for a second. And uh, it's so unusual. Uh, it's musically pretty simple, but that is basically like a, a Johnny Cash kind of origination musically. And it's amazing what a big hit it was. And it's clearly you know, evidence of A, the song is great, Bruce was on fire at the time and anything he put out was going to be a hit because no one else was making music that sounded like that song in the early 80s. Not even country music was really playing songs that sounded like that. And people grabbed onto that and it was as big a hit as any any he had that summer. Well said, well said. All right. uh, Number two, Uh, Bella, let's start with you this time. Yeah, I have one that I, I, suspect might be on your list jesse but my number two is girls in their summer clothes um off of magic it is i don't know if it's my favorite song on magic but it is up there it's so lovely and so fun um i used to listen to it when i would uh be walking home from work i used to work on like 145th and i lived on 116th and i didn't have money for the subway so i would just listen to girls in their summer clothes as i was like walking through the new york city night and it is just it's one of those songs that puts you so perfectly in a moment and you can picture everything that he's singing about and everything that's going on um and it's so catchy and so fun uh and I, I think this comes up in this life too, but I, I love when Bruce talks about the hem of someone's dress. I think it's lovely imagery and it really puts me in the moment where he's trying to, trying to make me see things. Um, it is on my list. I will agree with that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Chris, how about you? What's number two? I'm with Bella again. Also girls in the summer clothes. Like I agree with everything Bella said, it puts you in that moment. The the imagery is is so powerful, and also I think as you know, I think what was Bruce when he released it? He must have been about fifty six, fifty seven, fifty you know fifty seven, fifty eight. Um, you know, I'm fifty one, and I I think also you you know, however old you get you still 
you know, you're still excited to see young women, attractive women. Um, and it, that, that doesn't change. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, your, your service, you know, maybe some sort of fantasies for lack, lack of a, <laughs> lack of a better word. Um, and I, I think that just, just, you know, basically some sums it up but yeah i agree i think bella summed it up good as well as i could mark how about you sure so number two i have uh walk like a man from tunnel of love um i think it's the most underrated song that bruce springsteen's ever written uh it's it's by far his best father and son song i know there's other songs people are much quicker to bring up Adam Raised to Cain or Independence Day, and those are great. Those really um, look at a more defiant kid uh, against his father. But you know, I'm gonna go back just one other time. We, we talked about stuff we've learned about Bruce in the Broadway era. Even though he felt that way and he was frustrated, this was also a guy that loved his dad and admired so much about him and still looked to him to how to be a man, including the mistakes that he made. And I don't know that Bruce Springsteen, you know, from what he has said, had any idea that he realized any of this when he wrote this song. So there's just a couple lines that I'll hit that really do a great job of showing that. And it's basically the end of each verse. The first one says, all I can think of is being five years old, following behind you at the beach, tracing your footprints in the sand, trying to walk like a man. That's a little kid that wanted to be exactly like his dad to the point that he was following in his big boy steps up and down the beach. Fast forward then to the second verse, he talks about his actual wedding day. And we, we, you know, we're, we're supported by our parents in whatever relationship we have up to then. And on his, as, on his wedding day, he says, well, tonight you step away from me. The whole line of someone stepping away from you is so permanent and immediate all at the same time. And he says, alone at the altar, I stand and I watch my bride coming down the aisle. I pray for the strength to walk like a man. So even though this is a guy he's had problems with, he's hoping, can I at least be as much of an adult as you have been? And then the other thing, the last verse is probably the hardest one to hear, but there is an age where you realize as much as you want to look to a parent as an example, they didn't have it exactly the way they wanted either. And he says, I was young and I didn't know what to do when I saw your best step stolen away from you. So clearly he realized at some age, hey, this wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for my dad. It wasn't easy for my mom, but I'll finish with, I'll walk like a man. I'll do what I've seen. I'll do what I've learned. I'll take my piece of it too. Um, this, this song's just not talked about enough. I don't know why it always means so much to me and I bring it up all the time. I think it's by far his most underrated song. Uh, yeah, it did not make my list. And now that I'm going, why didn't it? That, that really insights. Uh, well done. Um, Ian, you're number two. Um, my number two is also Walk Like a Man. And um, I can echo pretty much everything that Mark just said. Um, I did a, a piece about it when um, when you did on the, the 30 Days of, of Springsteen on, on the podcast, Jesse, and uh, I did a piece about Walk Like a Man on that. So I, I would agree with Mark that it's one of the, probably one of Bruce's most underrated songs. 
And to be honest, for a long, long time, it was a song that I would have underrated myself. Uh, you know, when I got in, when I bought Tunnel of Love, I was 15 years old. What am I, you know, Independence Day and Alan Ray's Decane, they had a lot more to say about father-son relationships at 15. Um, and I always liked the song and um, it was, you know, but it was a song, a good song from one of my favorite albums. Um, but in 2008, my dad passed away and um, I heard this song and it just was just something totally different that, that I heard in it. Um, because those lines that, that Mark has mentioned, some of those meant so much to me. Um, it was also um, by that stage, obviously I, I was an adult, I was married. So there was a lot more thought in there into understanding why my dad actually did some of this stuff that when I was 15, I thought, why is the old guy doing this? You know, what, what's, what's, the, what's he trying to talk to me about this? You know, you understand these things. And so um, it just took on a whole new life for me. And um, the line that you said about your best steps stolen away from you, I think it's looking at the challenges your parents faced is really important. Uh, the other thing that uh, hits me very hard is one of the lines um, before that, um, I didn't think there'd be so many steps I'd have to learn on my own, um, which to me talks about not only um, past, but also to me that spoke very much about uh, losing my father at um, when he was a, a, a relatively young age, um, you know, just in his early 60s. And, and so, um, you know, because you don't ever think your parents aren't going to be there. And, um, and so that was something that had a real impact on me. And uh, every year since then, Father's Day, my dad's birthday, I have a drink and I always play that song. Um, uh, and uh, it's, so it's a very special song for me. And so, yeah, definitely... Uh, no surprise. It was one of the first ones on my list. <laughs> well, I, I love that story. Um, I, I, I've shared multiple times. My dad died on 9-11, the 10th anniversary of the falling of the tower. So I always, it's a sad day anyway, but it really bring up, I'm not someone that remembers death anniversaries, but it's kind of hard with that going on. And so I always listen to Johnny Cash for my dad and, um, you know, and the rising for um, our loss. Um, I, I really love Walk Like a Man. And I think um, I kind of appreciate it even more, though, with y'all's insight. Uh, I know as a father, you know, often Chris will come back and go, you know, hey, old man, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to follow the example you set. And I'm like, well, OK, you know. I'm only doing my best. You've got to find your own path. So that's really well done. Um, any other comments before we go to number one? I think a couple okay. of choices of girls in their summer clothes, which I was came very close to making my list, actually, because uh, as Chris rightly said, um, who doesn't love girls in their summer clothes? Yes. Um, and I love, I love the way in the song Bruce kind of, it's not creepy, even though he was an older guy when he wrote it, because I always get I get the impression that he's he's watching this going on. And yes, he still likes looking at the girls in the summer clothes, but it's also triggering nostalgia from from when he was a, the young guy who they were going to be going out with that night and, and those kind of things. And um, so, yeah, it's a great song from, from very close to my list. That, that, is, that is a good pick. And I, I think Bella mentioned it. Uh, the Jesse, you would probably have it on your list because I know. 
much like me, you love the Beach Boys. And right. Girls, as well as I think she mentioned This Life also, those are the two closest songs that maybe he tried to do something Brian Wilson-like. And yes. you know, maybe everyone doesn't agree with how well it came off, but they're beautiful. Yeah, This Life really does sound like a Beach Boy song. I mean, you know, like one of the things. So absolutely, I agree. Uh, yeah, my number one is Girls in Their Summer Clothes. It was without a thought. Um, it's just, it is it is his version of a Brian Wilson song. I, I love the the strings and the just the orchestra that opens. It is uh, a lot of harmony from the E Street Band. And that, and I agree with you guys. I think the imagery of just enjoying sitting there, drinking a cold beverage, talking to your mates, and enjoying not just the young women, but the, seeing the young men, and just seeing the young people going out, enjoying and feeling that life. I, yeah, it's just one of my favorite songs, and and by. F- far that's my number one my number two is the power of prayer um i was gonna say i was like did jesse do his number two no i did yes thank you there we go (laughs) yeah um the power of prayer is i knew i just there's something about that song the idea that um it i have had a complicated relationship with organized religion in my adulthood and I certainly feel, have different thoughts, but the idea of that power of rock and roll music, that power of prayer, um, the, the song of, in fact, my, my alarm on my phone to get up in the morning is the power of prayer. Um, it just, I love that song. I love the, the imagery he puts on, you know, talking about Benny King and just everything. I know they misspelled the name in the video, but we'll, we'll let it go. I I just love that. I wanted something when I was looking at letter to you and wanted to include. So that was it. Um, so, um, Chris, you're number one. My number one is walk like a man. And, it's to me out of all um bruce's sort of father son songs i think this is probably the closest to me um well actually i'll see you in my dreams is but that's that's not in the discussion tonight um but yeah like my dad died when he was 67 from cancer and especially the last um verse um when i was young and i didn't know what to do when i saw your best steps stolen away from you which now i look back on it you know at the time you don't see what's going on but my dad worked and worked and worked he'd he'd work go to work, come home, he'd work. And he was just, he was sort of semi-retired and just looking forward to retiring and traveling with my mum. And then, then it's, then he's gone, you know, and it was just so unfair, but, but that should happen. Um, you know, and he, and he, he wasn't a, 
he wasn't a sickly person. After, after he died, the, the doctor came. I went over to the UK for the funeral. And the day I arrived, our family doctor came over just to see see us and you know i think maybe put our minds to rest on on how how he would have you know passed away and he said um he basically said i didn't know your dad i didn't hardly knew him because he was never sick and then something like this happened and it, so that's that's very very close to my heart that song um yeah it's it's a song it didn't for a long time, I didn't quite actually understand what it was about. I, I think I said in an earlier podcast I was on with you, Jesse, I had like different interpretations of it. But then the older you get, the more you realize. And then now I'm also thinking of in my own as being sort of a story of my own life as well. You, you, you fall in, you're thinking, um, you know, am I this person who's who's sort of wasting their life away? Well, not I think wasting is probably too harsh a word. Um, but yeah, could I've been doing something different? Um, you know, what, what what's the end? You know, where where do you get to in the end? What's what's going to be the what's going to be the reward at the end of it? I suppose a bit, you know, it's a bit like maybe the promised land in a, in a way you, you carry on working, hoping there's some reward at the end. And you don't know. And, and quite often not, there's not, you know, there isn't. Yeah. And it's a, yeah, it's a great song. It's just brilliant. That, that, that whole actually tunnel of love is, is a brilliant album. It's the, the songwriting is just so strong. It, it really, album. it really is. And, and well said, I, I, I appreciate that. And I think, all of us that have lost a parent have that feeling at times. So um, thank you for sharing. And, and, and can we, yeah, so, sorry, please. just one other thing. You, know, you, you said your father unfortunately passed away on 9-11. My father passed away on the 22nd of July, which was in 2005. And then that's the same date. There was that massacre in Norway on that island. Hmm. But I think that was in 2011 or 2012. So anyway, just a just a coincidence. Yeah, that is. Yeah, uh, Bella, you're number one. I'm I'm sorry to take us to something so silly after no. something so serious, but uh, my number one is Rosalina. It is not only is it such a fun party song. I love seeing it live. Um, you know, I I promised myself I wouldn't make every single song gay, but I, Rosalita is one of the Bruce Springsteen songs that I think is, uh, really translates well onto being gay and, you know, the gay experience, um, not just because of the line, closets are for hangers, winners use the door, which, yes. why that isn't on t-shirts for pride, I'll never know. <laughs> yeah, well said. Um, I'll find someone who can make them maybe, uh, but like, you know, make it's them some, yourself. I could make them myself, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, the mom doesn't like him. The dad doesn't like him. No one understands. Rosie, you know, uh, she wants to be with him, but her parents don't approve. I mean, it's just, just it's all 
so easily translatable for me into my own experiences. Um, plus it's a very fun song and I love listening to it. <laughs> oh, perfect. And, and I do agree. And I'm telling you, sign me up. If you get the shirts, um, I, I will pay for one. Cause I, I agree. <laughs> that sounds perfect. Like the rainbow colors. I think that would be perfect. Right. Yeah. little open closet door. Maybe, you yeah. know, you get Bruce peeking out. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's find a graphic artist. I may reach I'll, out to some. Yeah, I'll ask around. Good. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, Mark, how about you? Sure. Um, I know it's already been mentioned a couple of times, uh, and I, I I thought it would be close to maybe everybody's number one. And it's just proof how uh, different we all hear things and how many great songs there are. But I definitely had to go with the Promised Land uh, as the number one song. It it for me it might be the number one song he has, maybe the most important song that he has. There's just, I mean, he, and I think he believes it too. He plays it all the time. He plays it on Broadway. He plays it with the E Street Band. It closed basically all of the acoustic shows on both Tom Joad and uh, Devils and Dust. He thinks it's important. I think Bruce believes that it sums up what he's trying to say better than any other song. Uh, and you guys had mentioned some of these points, just the idea that life is hard, uh, but you have to keep going forward. You have to keep going. Uh, I'll just hit two specifics line-wise, because some of the, you guys did such a great job already talking about it. And you mentioned specifically the I ain't a boy, no, I'm a man, and I believe in a promised land. Um, it's the, the idea there, when, when if you really step back from I'm not a boy, I'm a man, what he's really saying is, I'm important. I'm somebody. Stop treating me like that. And the biggest piece of it is, I matter. A little boy maybe doesn't have quite the importance. A grown man is supposed to be respected and looked at with pride. Uh, an adult. This guy is saying, I'm here right now. I'm trying. I matter. So that's, it's, it's as good a line as in any song. And then I'll just hit the last piece because like I said, they did such a good job with it already. But the imagery of, of a tornado, of a twister, he says, it's going to be a twister to blow everything down. Um, and then the next line is, that ain't got the faith to stand his ground. Not even a tornado has enough faith to stand up to how I feel about this subject, about how I feel right now. And he doesn't just stand there and say, uh, I'm going to do my best. He says, I'm going to blow this tornado away. I'm going to blow away the dreams that tear you apart. I'm going to blow away the things that break your heart, that leave you with nothing, that leave you lost and brokenhearted. He's not saying, I'm going to just try. I'm going to blow this thing up. And it's, it's as defiant and prideful uh, as anything he's ever done. It might be the best Bruce Springsteen song. Well said. I, I'm thinking of Blinded by the Light, right? That the imagery they use when they, they have those lyrics. So yeah, well, well said. Um, Ian? Well, again, I'm following Mark and I'm following him with the same song. So um, such classics as Hungry Heart and Rosalita didn't make my list at all. <laughs> but uh, The Promised Land, yeah, number one for me for, again, many of the reasons Mark has mentioned. Um, it's a song that uh, the reason I think it just tops out over Walk Like a Man for me is because Walk Like a Man is one that has taken on a meaning to me in the last 15, 13 years or so. 
whereas Promised Land I've been listening to since I was 15 years old. And um, I don't think it's you know going to be hard to imagine hearing such a positive, defiant song, I ain't a boy, no, I'm a man, and I believe in a promised land. When you're 15 years old and you're starting to think about, I don't want to be in this little town where I've grown up, I want to go and do something and get out into the world. Uh, and for me, the, the second verse is just that, because it, it's, again, it, it's what we talked about on some of the other songs, frustration, wanting an outlet, you know, I feel so weak, I just want to explode, explode and tear this whole town apart. It's just feeling so pent up, but not really having an outlet. But even, even when you do feel like that, you've still got this positive message of, of defiance and you keep trying. And, and for me, I think, even though you know that what you loved when you were 15, these big ideas, these grand plans that, yeah, okay, you were being a little bit naive, but doesn't mean you can't still keep trying your best to to make the best of your situation to to keep going and pushing forward uh, and I think that song the way it's performed the sax solo everything about it is just absolutely incredible and and for me it was that was my clear number one as soon as we we set about this task I, I kind of feel guilty now that I was the only one who didn't pick that <laughs> so um and and I'm like I agree with everything you guys said. Maybe I should kick out Hungry Heart and add in Promised Land. Um, is there it any... It speaks to how many amazing songs he yes. has. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm looking um, if there's anything else um, that we... If there was a song anyone didn't cover, Empty Sky, I was surprised Sky no one got... One I'm surprised no yeah, one that you know, because of it, uh, the others were, uh, like, I certainly could have people thinking that's their favorite, but I was a little surprised, and I, Empty Sky was on my kind of honorable mention list, so, um, great choices, guys, any, uh, final thoughts, we'll start with you, Bella. Thank you so much for having us again, this is always so fun, it's such a, cool way to organize the songs because as you go through you kind of realize how intentional he is in tracking these albums and I do feel like many of the songs that we've talked about you know they do seem to share these similar themes and I I don't think it's just because he's returning to the same things although that too but I think it's very much about how he intentionally tracks these albums which is really cool to see and something I wouldn't have noticed if we didn't do these very fun exercises. Yeah, well said. Chris? My tracks that were bubbling under was Rosalita, She's the One, uh, The Power of Prayer, and what was the other one? I can't remember. Well, they were probably about the three, um, which just didn't quite make it. Um, yeah, again, it's been great fun. Um, and once again, Jesse, you know, I'm glad to see you back and fighting fit you know you scared us for a little bit there um but you're looking good and yeah thanks for thanks for having me on again oh no everyone for joining in yeah no i appreciate that mark thoughts uh i'm just so thankful uh to hear that i'm not the alone preacher of the greatness to walk like a man that I feel like I'm alone so many times when I bring that up. So thank you, gentlemen. And I just wanted to appreciate how uh, open they were 
uh, with their stories. You know, the other three songs that probably just missed, including Hungry Heart, uh, but uh, in addition, rather, uh, State Trooper, I, I don't think showed up on anybody's list. Uh, we just talked about uh, Empty Sky, which has some amazing lines in it. And then the line from uh, Ghost of Tom Joad, I don't think probably showed up on anybody's list, is very kind of a sister song to Highway Patrolman. Um, but I think, you know, because it's so slow, it doesn't have a chorus and just the album it's on, I don't think any of us listen to it nearly as much, but the next three, four or five songs, there's, there's a lot to be said about them. And it's, again, it's just proof of how deep uh, the whole thing is. Oh, I do have one, I have one other question. So Jesse, you went uh, with Power of Prayer and all of you guys did this last year. Uh, would any of you have picked Last Man Standing last year? now that you've had the album for a while? Yes. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think I would, because that's one of my favorite tracks on um, on um, what's it called? Letter to You. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I, I, I think that would have, I can't remember now, what, what, what tracks did I pick? <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm, I'm actually looking at, um, I'm, I'm trying to pull up my notes from, <laughs> to see if I had that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I think I like it. It's one of my favorite songs on Letter to You, but I don't think there was a lot of big, big hitting tunes in the, um, on the fifth, particularly from the early albums when it's the side, first side closer or, or the second side opener. Um, and, um, I don't know as it would have displaced any of my top five, but it would it would certainly have been in the in the discussions. It would have been another one that was pushing for inclusion, I think. I definitely would not have. Um, I'm having a little trouble getting into Letter to You. Uh, I like some of the songs. I mm. don't know that it's one of my top albums um but you know it took me a while to really get into western stars so i'm kind of hoping that with repetition maybe i'll 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 get to i'll get to the heart of letter to you but as of now it's uh doesn't really touch some of the other great songs that he has okay yeah um i can't find my top five i wouldn't think so um now if we get to the power of prayer that might knock some knock off you know uh and so next year we'll we'll do seven right and and i guess i i know i've done the top opening tracks but we may talk about maybe in three or four months or six months we should do two three and four you know and catch up so if you guys are open to that i think that would be kind of yeah. fun uh so good um if uh any other final thoughts and it, let's go around the table on how someone can reach you ian Okay, uh, easiest way to reach me is at uh, Ian Braisby on Twitter or IAB Tours also on Twitter. That's my that's my business uh, one as well. Good. Chris? Also Twitter um, at Flickris, F-L-I-C-K-R-I-S. Uh, also the same name on Instagram. All right. Mark? Uh, I guess that would be the easiest. If you want to uh, send me something and talk about Bruce, it would be at my first name, last name, which is at M-A-R-K-H-O-R-N-O-K. Good. And Bella? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Bella Pori, which Bella spelled like Twilight Pori, P-O-R-I. Good. And I am at Jesse Jackson, DFW, 
Um, guys, what a great way to celebrate the anniversary of the podcast. Um, this is absolutely a blast. I, I, I appreciated the the interactions and the discussion. And I think I agree with you, Bella, you know, the diversity of our choices just shares the amount of great songs that Bruce has done and sharing that. So that's been absolutely great. Um, I appreciate all of you. Uh, we're going to end with go get vaccinated, please. We, we need to get um, this pandemic under control. We want live music. Um, and it is just the right thing to do. Uh, wear your mask, remember to wash your hands, let's social distance, and let's all be good to each other because that's how we're going to get through this. For now, thanks everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter at setlessingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. Set Listing Bruce. Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. 
Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 